Hello, this is Ron Chapman. Feedback is extraordinarily powerful for breaking through and realizing your potential. So it's a real pleasure, as master coaches, for Karen Van Cleve and I to share our experience with you. Welcome to the coaching sessions. Good morning, Karen. Good morning, Ron. This is our second session of what we have labeled Finding Your Way for Reasons for Developmental Dialogue. Our first session was about being lost when people come to us as coaches or as mentors and they say, look, I don't know what I'm doing. I'm, I'm just lost. I need help. The second one, which we're going to talk about today, is when people just feel stuck. They're frustrated, discouraged, etc. The third one, which we'll talk about in a subsequent session, is when people know where they want to go, but they really don't know how to get there. And then the fourth has to do with potential, that people feel comfortable where they are, but they really sense there's something more. And in our first session, we talked about being lost, and we used a framework of knowing yourself, exploring for yourself, picking a coach or an approach that agrees with you, because you and I both agree that the process doesn't matter so much as it fitting well. And then we talked a lot about developmental dialogue, which we're going to talk a lot more about today, which is this tension-filled process of really trying to get down to the bottom of things. So Karen, with this idea of feeling stuck and being frustrated, the second developmental dialogue, where do we start? I think a lot of people come to coaching for this because they're not happy where they are. And I think it follows, as with all the purposes for developmental dialogue, it follows a problem-solving approach. So Mm -hmm. what we've talked about with this is it always begins with diagnosis. You know, what's really going on here? What am I experiencing and why am I experiencing it? And we believe that you have to open yourself up to new ideas, to seeing yourself really, as with your slogan, Ron, seeing true, seeing what's really going on, and get out of this judgmental place. And then the third step is to begin creating some sort of customized solution to figure out what works for you, and then to set a plan of action, because none of this really matters if we're not taking some sort of action for change. And then the last step is establishing a feedback loop. So we assess how it's working, if we're achieving what we really wanted, if we're supporting ourselves through this process. So that's what we talked about as this problem-solving approach, which I think is so important. And some of these steps are harder than others when we're talking about this second reason for a developmental dialogue, which is feeling stuck and frustrated. And I don't know about you in your life or your clients, but what I find is when I'm stuck and frustrated, some of these steps are really hard. It's hard to see what's really going on. It's hard to open yourself up to new ideas because it feels like you're beating your head against a brick wall. So, Ron, What do you think is a place to start with someone who is experiencing this stuck, frustrated, disappointment phase of life? Well, I certainly agree with you that this is an exasperating part because typically I think self-diagnosis and opening yourself up is like the last thing in the world we want to do. What we really want is immediate relief, seemingly, is what it comes to. And so oftentimes I find the starting point is to, I refer to it as, 
walking people off the ledge. They're often at wit's end. What I typically have to do as an initial part of setting the scene with people is really saying, okay, let's try and take the tension out of this. Let's understand it's a frustrating place. I refer to this as normalizing someone's experience. It's like, okay, given what you're up against, of course you'd be frustrated. Of course this would be difficult. And I find I have to do that to reset the expectation because so often people are looking for a quick fix. And the honest truth is, and I know you know this, most stuff when we're developmentally uh, at one of these places, most stuff doesn't instantly resolve, especially if we're frustrated and discouraged. So step one for me in this self-diagnosis is, okay, let's talk you off the ledge, which interestingly enough then sets up the exploration of trying to understand why you're frustrated, what's the, as we would formally have labeled it in a corporate culture, what's the root cause or causes of your frustration. Um, and so that becomes the entry. Is that comparable to your experience? Absolutely. And as you were talking about that, we do live in a fix-it-quick civilization. One of the things that I experience is when we're in that place, it's easy to feel like the victim. And mm-hmm. when you were talking about the root cause, I think when people are frustrated, it's really easy to point out there. You know, it's my boss, it's my spouse, it's my whatever. So as you mm. are working with someone to get to root cause, how do you get people past that knee-jerk reaction or they blame themselves. You know, it's just me, I'm a loser, sure. or whatever. People really get into that root cause because I think that is so key and, and such a great point. Well, there's there's probably any number of ways to go about this, but the one that I've found to be the most effective is ask them, I'll have what I call a remedy dialogue with them. How would we remedy this? If we change this, how would it feel? If we change that, how would it feel? invariably where the conversation will bend to as we continue to probe is we eventually end up talking about the source of inner frustration. It's not out there. That out there is simply mirroring back. And as we begin to test where we ask, would that solve the problem? Would that solve the problem? Would that solve the problem? Eventually what we begin to get toward is a better understanding of the stuckness that the client is experiencing, which really is something internal once we push past the external, eventually an inwardly directed exploration to understand why we are frustrated, not why something outside of ourselves is, quote, unquote, causing our frustration. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. It does. And and that's where I do think a coach, a friend, whomever you can have these conversations with, because Typically when we're at this point or when our clients are at this point, Mm -hmm. this has been going on a while. This didn't just happen. It's been going on for a while. And we get so conditioned into a pattern of thinking and feeling. Mm -hmm. I like your idea of just testing, like, what would that be like? What would that be like? Because it gets us out of that rut of thinking and feeling certain ways. Well, Um, and what's this just clicked, as you said it, Karen. What's beautiful of that is it naturally it naturally opens us up every time. I just as I was listening to even how you said that, what would that be like? I felt the opening in me. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. 
-hmm. It's like even that kind of a gentle nudging question causes me to go, huh. I get curious, I guess, where I go, huh, well, let's talk about that. I don't know how that might feel. And then I can, you know, as as a coach, I can probe them some more. So it it occurs to me, just as I experienced what you said, that this really wonderful interplay between self-diagnosis and the, the opening up process, but it does make me wonder how, like, like some of your key strategies for opening a client up, what worked on your practice? One of the things that I always like to look at is what are the beliefs that are underneath the frustration? Mm. So beliefs about self, beliefs about mm-hmm. behavior, that sort of thing. Mm. As an example, I have a client who fairness and right and wrong and good and bad are very clear in her mind. And she's very Mm. loyal and she's very precise and that sort of thing. And she wants the rest of the world to value the same things she does in Mm. the same priority order. (laughs) So (laughs) when when her clients aren't as loyal as as she thinks or they don't behave in the the right wrong you know, the right ways according to her rule book, she gets really frustrated. And one of the things that, that we've done that's really helped her is to look at this set of beliefs and to realize that not everyone else has that same set of beliefs. It was stunning to her to realize that other people value other things more than mm. doing the right thing. And that alone just was, so instead of being frustrated, you know, people should behave this way, she said, wait a minute, I have different standards than other people, and I, and just as I don't follow their standards, I can't expect them to follow mine. Boy, what a and, what a beautiful what a beautiful example of of uh, nurturing open mindedness with that client's sudden awareness. I mean, that's that, that's a beautiful example. Yeah, and it begins with looking at what are your beliefs, what do you value, mm-hmm. what specifically is causing that little trigger of yours to go off, <laughs> to feel mm-hmm. frustrated, and to explore what's underneath that trigger. I have on occasion used an expectations assessment, which is very comparable to beliefs. They're different, but, you know, what expectations am I carrying into this? And how do those expectations, because invariably what we find is those expectations, they don't suit reality well. Uh, And when the world or other people don't show up consistent with what I expect, I get frustrated. And then again, it, it creates this openness uh, or at least curiosity on my part. Mm-hmm. We, we've talked a lot about the beliefs about expectations of others or mm-hmm. being the victim of others' behaviors or priorities or whatever. What do you notice needs to be opened up when people are, like, blaming themselves so they themselves are the source of their frustration? Oh, great question. And, you know, that's a challenging one because we are so self-judgmental. Um, you know, I heard one client said one day, it's like, I just keep shooting all over myself. And I thought, isn't that, isn't that accurate? And so my experience with those is we open them up as well to question and inquiry. For example, we might say, so, why do you believe that to be so about yourself? 
who taught you that? Where did that come from? Because so many of our self-perceptions are, in fact, enculturated by our family, by our communities, and we've actually never examined them quite often. We've just adopted them as true. And so the gentle probing, asking where they came from, are they really true? I'm thinking now of a, a question that, that is often very powerful, which is, do I know this to be true? Am I sure it's true? What's the evidence? Because quite often the things we hold to be true about ourselves aren't true. They're just a held belief, a held perception about ourselves. Mm-hmm. Definitely. So we've talked uh, in this phase about opening up to beliefs, to judgments, to expectations, to all these, you know, maybe old messages that we've been given. Mm-hmm. And so obviously there's a whole universe of things that we could be opening ourselves to. And the theme that I'm I'm getting from our conversation today is it could be anything. And to explore this with a spirit of, you know, letting go of the frustration and judgment and that sort of thing and just stay open even though it can be hard. And so moving to our idea that we have to then create a customized solution, what would you suggest to our listeners there? Ah, I, uh, I love this one because oftentimes people, people come with preconceived notions. Oftentimes it's closed-minded in nature. But I invariably like to work with what people's orientation is. And so I'll often ask them, so is there a good way that you might want to approach this. Is there a framework? Is there a book? Is there a modality? Is there an orientation? And then I will use that as my starting point and begin to offer up a variety of ways of working with it, including tools that we can bring to it, books that can be read. I mean, any number of things. I guess two things worth observing, and I'm sure this first is consistent with your practice. The first is that I oftentimes, again, because when people are frustrated, they're looking for a silver bullet. Give me the one book. Give me the one chapter in the one book, the five easy steps. And so I have to walk them away from that as well and let them know there's there's not a silver bullet to most complex issues. And then the second piece is to help them understand that very few of us are cookie cutter. Very, very few of us can adopt some existing design somewhere that, in fact, the very nature of finding our path involves this customization of testing with them what will work for them, what their experience tells them. I'm thinking of a client who came out of a pretty repressive culture, South Asia culture, and and her telling me that what she needed was to be ordered around. And we tested that and actually found it doesn't work well with her although it's what she's accustomed to. And so we really had to customize a more gentle approach for her. I guess the sky's the limit, which is why we probably need expertise outside ourselves, because we just don't know about all the possibilities. Is that consistent with your practice? Yes, yes. And I don't know if it's what I was thinking about as you were talking falls into the customized solution or set a plan of action But one of the things that I, I guess there are two things in this category that I I like to include that probably fits the solution and the plan of action. The first is shifting the mindset as soon as possible. So Mm -hmm. when somebody's frustrated, 
and I definitely do this with something like guilt, but where somebody's just totally in reaction is to agree to a a fast of that particular emotion, to let go of it for two weeks, and to say, okay, anytime I'm tending to feel frustrated, I'm going to catch myself, I'm going to shift that to something else. So, for example, when I was in the corporate world, at one point I had a manager who drove me crazy. And as he would approach, I would feel myself starting to tense up. And I imagined the Starship Enterprise where, you know, the captain would say, shields up. And I would imagine these clear shields surrounding me and protecting me and my boss's annoying remarks just like ricocheting off and <laughs> off, of, off of the shields. And so I would do whatever I could in working with people. I suggest that they do what they can to interrupt some of those patterns or triggers that tend to get them frustrated. And I guess the second thing is to create tiny little successes. So this is kind of segueing to a plan of action, yeah. but to create a solution that says, how do I set myself up to succeed, even in the smallest ways, whatever that action step is. So every time I would prevent myself from feeling frustrated by my boss, then that was my plan of action. And then I would sort of celebrate my success of staying out of reaction. So it allowed me to sort of be in those last three steps, a solution, a plan of action, and a feedback loop to create little successes which makes us want to do. It, it automatically breaks that pattern of frustration because I am, I am, we're practicing different things. I am totally on board with that. That's exactly where I go with it is uh, I will often tell a client, let's pick two or three things. And then let's reality test the actions so that by the time we sit down next in either two or three weeks, typical interval, I want you to be able to sit down and say you were successful with these. And so our action plan becomes very, very practical, very pragmatic. And then the feedback loop is where we sit down and say, okay, how'd that work? What did we learn? What did it teach us? How do we craft the next few pieces so that we move in and out uh, over sessions Invariably, we bounce back into more diagnostic work, but we keep coming back to this practical action plan that allows us to use the feedback loop to gain momentum, to get inertia on our side. There's something powerful about seeing some success, especially when we're frustrated. And I often tell clients, it's like the last thing in the world I want you to do is to plan on doing 10 things and come in and say you only did two. I'd much rather say, let's do two and have you say, I did both of them, because it creates such a powerful feedback loop emotionally for ourselves. I'm right on the same page with you in terms of that practical approach. Awesome. Awesome. Well, just to summarize, we've talked about basically creating this shift to walk people off the ledge, explore the root cause, talk about remedies and testing, different possibilities to examine beliefs and judgments and where those came from and ask about the truth of those and then to create, to find a solution, a book, a modality, something, and then to set up little steps for success so that we're helping people experience success instead of frustration. 
Is there anything else today, Ron, that you want to share with the listeners around this topic? Just a validation that the frustration is a challenge and that this way of sort of teasing it out over time, on one level it's comforting, on the other I understand why it can add to frustration because people really want relief. And yet I guess to honestly say that, you know, most complex situations don't resolve quickly. That's the nature of what we're up against. But I have a lot of empathy for it. So I guess I guess that's a, a comment about being compassionate for others and being compassionate for ourselves. Beautiful. We've all been there at some point. So, so yes, it's a part of our journey. So thank you, Ron. I've appreciated this great conversation, and I hope our listeners will go forth from here and shift out of their frustration and find new approaches to move forward in those areas of life. So thanks, Ron. Thanks, Karen. You've been listening to the Coaching Sessions with Ron Chapman and Karen Van Cleve. To learn more, subscribe at seeingtrue.com. Thanks for listening.